Hey, everybody, this is Kevin, and I want to announce a new podcast that we're starting in 2020. It's called the Inhuman Resources Podcast. We're going to talk about workplace nonsense, bad bosses, everything we despise about corporate America, corporate uh, life in the West, how we're never going to retire, and it's just going to go on and on and on forever, and it's horrible. And we want your workplace horror stories. I want you to go to uh, inhumanpodcast.com and look for the employee suggestion box. We welcome any story about idiocy, nonsense, garbage in the workplace. And we'll be releasing episodes here very soon. Thanks. Hey everybody, this is Kevin Kautzman with the podcast Get This. It's a show about things people love. I'm coming to you from the studio here in upstate Manhattan, January 11th in the foul year of our Lord 2020. And I'm joined by a guest today, Giselle Muse. Giselle, how are you? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. How are you? I am very well. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, you know, here we are in this unusually balmy, warm day for January. It is. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's like, what, 68 degrees or something? Yeah. I didn't have to wear a jacket. And that's the most exciting thing that's happened all year, I guess, until this. <laughs> <laughs> oh, right. Of course. This is your first podcast. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Is. High five. Woo. Bring it up. <laughs> that's good. I love being the, the first podcast that people are on. I think, I think that this is... It's not even the future. It's it's the now, and absolutely, it's a fun thing to do. I love it. It's like strange. We're in the twenties again, and radio is back, baby. <laughs> radio, yes, it you know is. I mean? like, we, we, I'm yeah. totally a podcast person now. Right, you were telling me before. You know, before we we get into that. Uh, you know, again, this is the show about things people love. So, what is it you love? What is it you want to talk about today? Ooh, well. I realize I provided a very heady topic for this when we talked previously. Yeah. Uh, dynamic storytelling and human connection. Wow. And I'm an actor. Okay. And I also write music. So looking at it through an artist's lens. Mm-hmm. All right. Very cool. Yeah. What, when I asked you, hey, do you want to come on the podcast? <laughs> mm-hmm. What? were you thinking when you said, that's what I want to talk about? i just really curious. Well, first of all, I said, I don't have anything significant going on. Why the hell does he want to talk to me? <laughs> um, content. We're making content. Well, I love, I said, I, you know, I love theater and I have been singing since I was very small. So how does that all connect? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, connection. Right. Pe- like period, end of story, and how we connect with others through different ways, dynamic ways yeah. of telling stories. I love it. That's great. And you sent an MP3. I did. Do you want me to share that at the end of the show? You can if you want. It's still pre- I mean, pretty exploratory, Yeah. Um, but have some people who I really care about who collaborated with me on it uh-huh. as far as the track and, and mastering it and everything. Mm-hmm. So it's the first thing I've ever produced. Okay. And so hoping to do more of that with my original music this well, year. Well, yeah. So we can put that on at the end of the, the show. <laughs> sure. And... Uh, yeah, tell me a little bit about what that is. You know, so yeah. Sure. Yeah, go ahead. So I have been writing music for quite a while. I'm mainly a piano player, a pianist. Mm-hmm. And this has this song in particular has taken a left turn from anything that I've ever written, my typical style. It's called Into Character. And I stepped into a very I would not 
a very tough character mm. in college, a play called Nine Parts of Desire. It's a monologue play. It started as a one-woman show on Broadway um, with all these Iraqi women or Iraqi American women um, throughout the world, throughout time. Each character was a compilation of interviews that the playwright had for several years. Mm-hmm. And um, the main character, her name is Lyal. She's based off of an artist, Laila Al-Attar. And um, she was essentially passed around Saddam Hussein's family. Um, She was an artist over there and the director of of one of his facilities. And she created this mosaic of uh, George father Bush's face on the floor of a famous hotel there. And she was killed in an American airstrike. Whoa. Yeah, so pretty well in the early 90s. And so finding my way into her was a big struggle. And so this song is essentially from my perspective, the actor's perspective, asking a character with a tough story to let me in and to tell them that they can trust me to give their story justice and uh, be 100% authentic with it. But I have to, that I'd have to understand her first. I think that's fascinating. I have Thank so you. many questions. <laughs> uh, where did you go to college? I went to the University of South Florida. Okay. Um, I started as a mass communication major. One of those things like, I'm not going to do theater. I went to a performing <laughs> arts high school. I mean, I did shows uh-huh. there. I knew that's what I wanted to do. But yeah. I, you know, how a lot of us, like our parents were like, you're not going to make money doing that. <laughs> so um, They were right. But we were. <laughs> but the trick is we weren't going to make money doing anything. Right. That's a, an excellent point. Um, <laughs> we're never going to retire. <laughs> yeah. So we might as well do theater. Right. And I was pre-law for a semester. And I always say if I wasn't an actor, I'd be a lawyer. I think it's fascinating. Um, but really just so I can be dramatic in a courtroom. But it's mostly not that. So I said, not for me. And found my way back to theater performance, which I now have a bachelor's degree in. Okay, great. And tell me a little more about this this show. So <laughs> it was uh, nine women. Yes. Was it? But it was a solo show originally on Broadway. Yes. Did you did you perform all of those parts? I mean, did you do the so solo or the I show did not. solo? They no. right. took a different direction, and so they had different actors to portray all of the nine women. Right. Um, right. Being that it was a monologue show, and because it was in an educational setting, just yeah. to give students more opportunity, I don't think Make it if they had ensemble. pitched a one woman mm-hmm. main stage, it would have gone very well. Yeah, that's so. not very fair in a university setting, yeah, right. for sure. Right. That's interesting. And so, did this song? Did you work on the the song as in the in that context uh, context, or is this something you're revisiting now? I. Wrote the song, actually, it was after a Sam Smith concert. Um, he His his music is very dramatic. And right. he even said, we were like maybe 75% of the way through his show, and we stopped after this gorgeous ballad. And he said, well, that was fucking dramatic, wasn't it? And I'm like, oh, okay, perfect. Um, so I, I started like typing the lyrics on my phone and just trying to tell the story as honestly as possible to myself first. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, as an artist, what I try to do in general. And so it had been several years since I had been in that show, but I still look back as that being one of the most transformative experiences for me as an actor. All right. Great. Well, that'll be the alternative outro for this episode. That's really, <laughs> yeah, that's that's fascinating. So you're, you're here now in New York City. I am. And you have collaborators, and this is the first thing that you've produced, and you're kind of yeah. just feeling it out and... That's interesting. Do you yeah. want to keep writing music and doing... Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm such a writer in general. Um, I never have stepped into playwriting, but I think that's the next venture for me that I'm excited to try. Okay. I hear you know some things about that. I've, yeah, I've written a few plays. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm such a writer and I'm such a musician, so it has made sense for a long time to put the two together. And 
really the way that we tell a story, I mean, the words that we choose are so important, the specificity is important, that you're connecting with someone else's story. That Here's an example. So I went to Sarah Bareilles' Madison Square Garden show recently, and I love her. I feel like she's the artist who I most connect with um, as, you know, a pianist and a songwriter, etc., and she was telling us how, telling me specifically, it was just me in the room. <laughs> right, right, right. Um, she was telling us how the more specific she got in her storytelling, the more people felt they could connect with it. Right. And as an artist, not only do we owe a character a 100% authentic story, and we owe a character a journey in ourselves as the actor to understand what they're going through, but we owe our own story the same authenticity. I agree. And that is really what's going to connect us with others the deepest. It's interesting, that question of, of specificity, because mm-hmm. you want things to be broad enough and yeah. open enough so that people can pour themselves into the story. Right. So people can relate. And the broader I am, the wider the scope right. of people I can connect with. But, but I think it's the opposite. It's an interesting line. It's a funny, funny thing. Yeah. And I don't, I've never really isolated what I think about it. It's It's, it's a tricky thing. You mm-hmm. have to... Decide, I think, in the context for for every piece, everything that you work on. But that that thing you said about characters being rich and having authenticity—that's mm-hmm. one of my one of my pet peeves in in uh, theater. Oh no, new theater. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm going to tell you one of my pet peeves. Okay. Um, uh, is is plays where there's a character who's well, everyone. This is this is obvious, right? You don't want wooden characters, but I really right. I really dislike. When a character pops into a play and doesn't really have an arc, doesn't really have much to do. <laughs> and I think the reason is that I acted for a while. Yeah. And uh, I may have played, I, you know, I, I was never like a really like a leading man, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, and we're talking about like a community theater in Minneapolis right. and then some small theater in London. And uh, But yeah, when I see a play and there's an actor uh, and they're on stage for maybe 15 minutes and don't do much except to maybe drive the for- the story forward a little right. bit, I just go, oh, I feel for that actor. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? You could have, and I think of ways the playwright could have gotten around it. I right. go, this is a two-hander masquerading, you know, as a, as an ensemble piece. <laughs> You've done this with two characters. What's, you know, that that's, that is what it is. I mean, well, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm really fascinated by, you know, and maybe I, this is the show about things people love, so, so I should reframe this. What I love in theater mm-hmm. is muscular, slim, tight, well-written yeah. drama, even Absolutely. if it's comic. And I love seeing a one-person show that that tells this, you know, incredible story, a two-hander that really Likewise. just gets you. It's just yeah. so great. Um, and uh, well, so you you've yet to write your first play, but you're gonna you're gonna attempt it in 2020. Yeah, I'd really like to. You should do. Um, I have a really good friend who's an amazing playwright, and he was selected as I don't know, like one of five of over 200 submissions to some short play festival by great. this great young theater group here in the city. And everything he does is very experimental. Mm-hmm. So it's he just inspires me. Because he shows me that there is no box. Like, we're always trying to think outside the box, but it, what if the box doesn't even exist? Does. How far can we go? It's truly limitless. It doesn't. And that's so. the beautiful thing about theater is that it's this ancient hologram, <laughs> yeah. right? And it's, yes. it has infinite plasticity You uh, because the audience surrenders their poetic license, the, 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 right. the poetic license to the, the drama, you know, to the dramatist. It's true. And uh, yeah, we, we started... Um, 
There's a fellow named Tom Block who was on the show. Yep. Yeah. We started, he and I got together and we started a, um, we're starting an experimental theater writers group called Cut Edge Collective. Mm-hmm. You can go to cutedgecollective.com. And uh, that's going to kick off here in New York this year. So we're excited about that's that. That's great. And we're going to do a series of salons too. So the the, the way that's going to work is they're going to be workshops and it's, you know, it's people have had to apply and then there's a bit of a fee because we've right. got to rent space. And of course. And that. Yeah, yeah. And then we're going to do, but we're going to do these salons and these salons are going to be kind of, you know, once a month and people are going to talk about a, a certain topic. And uh, so, th- and those are going to be a little more open. So maybe we can, I don't know, maybe I'll, well, anyway, go to cutedgecollective.com. Yeah, I great. I think the thing to do for you is, and I'm uh, you know, is to I'll take try it. your hand. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> try your hand at a, at a 10 minute play. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and I did a 24-hour play festival on the acting side. But the, I think things like that where, I mean, I'm so motivated by deadlines. That sounds terrible. No, no, no. My but God, yeah. to be able to, I mean, overnight when your mind is kind of its wildest, to sit at a computer and just be honest with yourself and write whatever's in your mind, whatever's on your heart. And see what it becomes. I mean, I love free writing. I got a, a journal for 2020. That's like the big thing for me, although I've always loved it. But I've been um, pretty lazy about it, honestly, mm. as far as sharing my thoughts. I, th- I think that especially for when we are vulnerable and honest and open with ourselves and we're sitting there with like a, a pen and a paper to write and we let our subconscious start to take over. Yeah. These things that like maybe we aren't ready to face or that we don't want to face start to come out and i and i think that deters some creative people Mm -hmm. from stepping into that environment um but i told myself 2020 is a year of self-discovery i'm going to open myself up and be vulnerable enough to face things that even if i'm not ready to face them it seems like it's the right time Mm. i think you should do it the the trick with a 10-minute play is to sit and write it in one sitting. Yeah. Write it in one sitting. And ideate, get, get you know, a notion. Right. And just make sure it has a beginning, a middle, and an end. Yep. And uh, I wish you lots of luck with that. There, <laughs> Thank you so there, much. You want to check out the Playwright Center. Uh, oh, yeah? Have you heard of the Playwright Center? I have not. It's a, it's a Playwright Center in uh, Minneapolis. And mm-hmm. they, they do fellowships and different programs. And they have a board, an opportunities board, that's pretty robust. Mm-hmm. So even if you... Yeah, you can pay the fee to be a member just to get access to that board, and then yeah. they've got these this constantly churning list of opportunities. And if you write a ten minute play, and you, you know you start to get some positive feedback, it's amazing what that does to your psyche. If you're Absolutely. really hungry to be a writer, it's nice to go. Wow, somebody read this, and they 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 re- they reacted to it. It's a lovely yeah. lovely feeling. Yeah, and my friend who's the playwright was never interested in that, and then he just took a playwriting class in college. Yeah, and now that's he's also a puppeteer and does millions of other things Great. that like has discovered this amazing part of his brain yeah gosh and the stuff he does is just so out there and brilliant so i love what's his name kevin michael wesson oh there we can't have that yeah we can't have two kevins oh, i know i'm sorry <laughs> no, we can, maybe we can, he can just hey, go kevin. by michael <laughs> no it's all right it's all right hey kevin how are you uh nice to meet you yeah no it sounds great and what's the name of this festival that he got into do you recall I cannot remember the name of the festival. Oh gosh, that's embarrassing. No, that's the right. name so of the theater group that put it together is called Sproutworks. And Sprout it's Works. a few folks who are my age who yep. are hungry and brilliant and open and, and kind of ready for whatever art the world wants to put in front of them. So it's it's been great being connected with them. I guess, you know, if, if you're an actor that you already have a head start on a lot of people. 
I, Me? I actually, yeah, as a playwright, if you want to be a playwright. Oh, thank you so much. Yeah. That makes you feel no, better. No, <laughs> for real. No, absolutely. I mean, that's the other piece of advice I, I like to give to young playwrights is, have you acted? No? Yeah. Start there. You have to. Mm-hmm. Uh, even if it's if it terrifies you, you have to do it. Right. You have to. Or, at the, you know, at the very least, you got to get yourself into a scenario where you're attending readings and participating yeah, as a absolutely. reader. The very least, you got to get kind of into the the sense of it. But it's so helpful to know what it what goes what an actor's process, even in a very amateur way, is right. like for for a show. Absolutely. Uh, and it, I've been, yeah. with my own original music, have been devising a script to kind of put it all together, almost like in a one-woman memoir kind of a play, mm-hmm. um, and really exploring deeply my relationships with others, um, my rocky relationship with religion, my relationship with myself i think is the newest part of it Mm -hmm. and people always say that your first six months to a year in new york are the hardest Uh. and you think about oh it's like hard to find a job and it's like hard to make friends but like you don't i mean at least i didn't think about how hard it would be in my own mind and so that (laughs) that's the latest i think part of this journey for me how long have you been in new york since last march and then i went back to tampa and i did a show stupid fucking bird and um yeah, so permanently as of July 1. What is this sh- this show, Stupid Fucking Bird? Yeah, oh, my gosh. Um, I don't know it. Well, I'm so excited to share it. It's weird. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, I me. love weird. Like, the weirder your art gets, like, the more I'm just so intrigued. So it's a modern take on Chekhov's The Seagull. Ah, uh, okay, right. Yeah. I've heard of that. And um, really exploring mostly i mean there's this umbrella of human connection that kind of breathes into the whole play mm-hmm. um which i mean and i got to work with people i've always wanted to work with an old professor of mine who's the artistic director of the company came in to direct it i mean it was just such a blast and yeah a really great weird play if you haven't read stupid fucking bird read stupid fucking bird who's the playwright Someone famous. I think. Someone, yes. Um, Tom Block mentioned him. Okay. I cannot. All right. Quite no, that's recall, fine. We can. Yeah, that's all right. You know, it's yeah. like it's one of the other things I like about this podcast is, is it, you know, the phones are away. I'm not going to start <laughs> yes. tapping at the computer. <laughs> We're gonna. You know what? We don't remember everything, and and that's okay. Yeah. What's that? That comedian, um, Louis Black. He has that funny bit about. Back in our day, if somebody didn't know the answer to something, we just didn't know. <laughs> oh, or well. we guessed. Now you you know, you, you millennials, you you get your phone out. Now you're not at a party, you're doing research. It's true. It's so true. And even with my significant other on our first date, we were talking about something and I didn't know the answer. I pulled up my phone and he said, I don't do that. Yeah. So we just Let's that's, stop. That's the rule now. Google it's all it's all there when we need it. <laughs> yes, it is. If you're really that interested in the name of the playwright for stupid fucking bird presumably you can look it up yeah he's great and it's embarrassing because once you look <laughs> him up right. like you're gonna it'll be obvious his name. yeah it's all yes. right it's all right i like to play jeopardy and uh you know that uh, jeopardy uh, it, it, there's this uh, bar that i go to oh i'm and... like oh were you on the show no 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 <laughs> but i should have been last night because i was killing it Amazing. there are there are nights where like i get more wrong than right and then there are other nights where it's like i just run the run the clues it's so weird so is that next for you in 2020 2021 <laughs> i don't want to do i don't want to go on jeopardy <laughs> no no so that's interesting so you you moved here then you go back to florida to I do did. this show then you come back here you're living in spanish harlem i am and how's that how are you finding that it's amazing mm. um i'm half puerto rican Oh. And I'm really proud of that part of my culture. I did just like cut my hair short and go blonde, but not as a diss to my culture, just because it's <laughs> something that I've always wanted to do. Yeah. Um, 
But to be, and I've also never spoken Spanish fluently, which is kind of a bummer. My mom just didn't want to confuse us because she was confused as a kid, mm. kind of trying to learn English. And sure, sure, sure. Um, but it's been awesome. I mean, there's uh, incredible Spanish food. And back in Florida, I mean, I have family here. I didn't have any family there, so being able to even have home food here in general is is so special for me. Right. And hearing people speak Spanish and like I understand a lot more than I'm able to speak, and feeling connected with them. I mean, connected with conversations that I overhear. Uh-huh. That's been really cool too. That is cool. Yeah. Well, and you're in the Heights now too, so I am. I was listening to In the Heights on the way here to like uh-huh. get inspired, and <laughs> you know, there when I hear a really connected or a really I don't know, like a song that's intended to be really happy and exciting, but I feel really connected to it, overwhelms me and I cry. Oh. Oh. <laughs> or like when I see people dancing together on stage and it's like beautiful and and perfect, I cry. Um, but an In the Heights song, really quickly, that always gets me, it's called Carnaval de Barrio and it's like the neighborhood carnival and it's like raise the flag, like raise the Mexican flag, raise the Puerto Rican flag and yeah. everything and, and most of it's in Spanish. Yeah. And being able to like belt that song in Spanish for me, even yeah. in my own mind, I mean, every right. single time I'm, I was just sitting on the train listening to it and I tear up. Love it. Well, you yeah. definitely have to come up here for the Puerto Rico Day Parade. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that I'm gets ready. pretty real. Yes. It's fun up here. I love it. There are a few things that you have to do if you're ever in New York and you want to come up to the Heights. And of course, now it's going to completely blow up when the movie comes out. A hundred percent. A thousand percent. Yeah, they were shooting it on my the stairs that I take Amazing. up here. Yeah, it's going to blow up. And and uh, you sometimes bump, bump into Lynn in the neighborhood, too. Um, you know, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. I, was, I went into a coffee shop one day down here, and I'm like, why is everybody – and everybody's kind of looking at me a certain way. Oh. And I was like, I'm sensitive. I pick up pick up a vibe. And of I'm course. Like, Do they think that I'm – they're looking at me like they think that I'm – and then I then I got in line behind them for coffee. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> everybody's acting weird because Lynn's here. And I'm like, well, you know, and my attitude about that is obviously, you know, great artist. Of course. Hugely successful. Yeah. Uh, you know, local hero. And – um you just leave him alone. <laughs> Let him have his yes, coffee. Agreed. And just He's leave just him alone. Person. Just leave him alone. He's and got has, enough on his mind. is a master of being a, uh, very specific in his work and, and yeah. you know, people who are Puerto Rican or Hispanic in general are finding so many ways to connect with him. Mm. And he's a legend in Puerto Rico, too. Oh, for sure. So. Yeah. Uh, I thought he was so funny on Curb Your Enthusiasm. Did you see his turn? No, on I Curb? have Do not. Do you like Curb? I've never seen it. Oh, it's Actually, funny. someone yeah. just brought it up to me for the first time ever a few days ago. Is it Larry David? Yeah, Larry David mm-hmm. from Seinfeld. Yeah. Uh, it's so funny. He plays himself. And <laughs> but Larry, and of course, Larry David is somebody who, in theory, should, and in reality, could get pretty much anything he wants in Hollywood. I mean, Fair. it's Hollywood royalty. Uh, Seinfeld's worth a billion dollars. It's yeah. crazy. Uh, but he can't get Hamilton tickets. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Can relate. Yeah, and it's very yeah, relatable. Yeah, relatable. Oh, so funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and Lynn is kind of lording it over him, and <laughs> just this, yeah, just wonderful, super cool. Yeah. Well, there are a few things you got to do in the Heights. You know, you got to go to the, see those parades, and mm-hmm. then um, the cloisters up here is really something special. Yeah, I keep hearing that. Yeah, the magic word. Yeah, yeah. Well, they have the unicorn tapestries. Is that real? These are. Yeah. Are you bullshitting me? No, I'm not bullshitting. That you. sounds amazing. No, no, they're uh, you know unicorn tapestries that are quite famous. Uh, they're these medieval tapestries, and it's all about the unicorn hunt. And wow. scholars have no idea what it really means. It's like some sort of weird secret society. Ooh, I love that. It's really, really bizarre. But yeah. you go, and it's just so cool. Um, you know, if you live in the neighborhood, you can go for free. But the other move is. You go to the Met, mm-hmm. you get the sticker from the Met, it's part of the Met system, oh. and then you come up here, you do a day trip. 
And there are tons of like you know, great restaurants and stuff up here. Yeah. yeah, you should get your get your SO and make like a day New York have a New York day. Heck yeah! Yeah, I, we love experiencing art really in any way that we ever can. He said he's going to go draw while I'm here. So oh, yeah, oh okay. It's great. Oh, is, is he up here with you too? He's not. Oh, oh okay. But he's okay. But, <laughs> but he's, we went he's thrifting in, in the you know first thing oh. Saturday morning, and then we just parted ways. I love to it. Do our artistic I love things. It. Which is you cool. know, I have this writers group that I'm part of, uh, and we meet at the Dramatist Guild mm-hmm. once a month, and it's like. I'm excited about it. We're reading a lot of screenplays today. Yeah. We're reading a play today. One of our screenplays is going to be read. We're going to get feedback. And yet there's a part of me that looks outside and goes, it's going to be close to 70 degrees in January. <laughs> yeah. And I'm getting ready to go sit in a windowless room no. for three hours. And I'm just like, <laughs> but I'm really devoted to this group. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're talking about a human connection. And uh, yeah, we're definitely going to have a lot of human connection in that room today. Yeah. I'm a little, I'm. Uh, you can't control the weather though. No. It's yeah. going to be nice tomorrow. I mean, yeah. it'll be warm tomorrow. I think it's going to be rainy. Yeah. Worth it. Yeah, it'll be all right. That group is led by Aaron Squire. And if you haven't listened to his episode on on this show, I guess I'm promoting my own show. But, I love uh, that. He's so, I'm really actually promoting Aaron. He's he's tremendous. He's a Juilliard playwriting alum. Wow. Yeah, really brilliant guy. He's, he's working in television on a couple of different shows. And he has this Buddhist philosophy that drives his life and his practice and it's just definitely give that a listen um he's all about without uh sentimentality he's all about realizing that if you want if you want something Mm -hmm. find people who want the same thing yeah and help them achieve it hell yeah it's so cool you can literally have whatever you want in this world like especially being in new york all of the things that seem so far away and seem so impossible growing up are literally right in front of you around every turn yeah yeah it can beat your teeth in too. Oh, yes, <laughs> that like... also. That's another layer of it. But. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I, yeah, but I do love this town, and I think it behooves. You know, it's good to for for young people to come and Agreed. get a get a taste of it, especially like when you're in your twenties, you don't have kids. Like, right now is the yeah. time to take the riskiest risks, and do I'm it. always the one who's going to take the risk. I like that. Are you? Yeah. Are you, you have siblings. I have one older sibling. Okay, one older sibling. Yep. And where, where are you originally from? Originally from Virginia Beach mm-hmm. and then moved to Tampa for school. Stuck around for a little bit. I lived there for like seven years. So I'm like kind of like 20% Floridian. But if somebody asks where I'm from, I always say Virginia Beach or I say that I'm Puerto Rican if they're looking at me and they're like, you're something and I can't figure it out. Uh, <laughs> that annoying that. question. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Nobody asks me that. I'm so sorry. Nobody asks me that. No, it, it reminds me of one of my friends, a Dominican gal, one of my very best friends. And we, you know, we actually, we dated for a while and she, she's like, she's like, my, you know, my brother's, my brother's dating a, you know, a white guy. And I'm like, or uh, my my sister's dating a white guy. Who's dating a white guy? Or no, wait, sorry, sorry. My brother was is dating a white gal. Sorry, I got to get the story right. All good. Um, dating dating a white gal. It's getting really serious. And I'm like, well, what kind of white she you know is she? Yeah. And and she says there are different kinds. <laughs> <laughs> no one ever says like if it's like, you know someone with an American accent like right. that Irish guy. Yeah. Or, you yeah. know. <laughs> and I'm trying to you know I'm trying to explain to her like yeah. The same way that like Puerto Ricans and Dominicans, you, right. you know, you your little differences, your cousins, you respect <laughs> yeah. each other, you know. But yeah, anyway. Um, so, so you, Virginia Beach, tell me about that. So, what's that like? So, it's great there. Um, I realized someone I went to middle school with is on The Bachelor. <laughs> season so that's pretty wild <laughs> which one victoria fuller she's the one who like cried the whole first episode um but she is so fucking beautiful i mean she was always the nice quiet popular girl so i, had, I don't have a problem with her i mean tv can edit 
someone to be whatever they want someone to be. The editor is in charge of the story totally. there. It's not in your for hands. For sure. For sure. Um, my dad was in the Navy for a long time, which is why I lived there. And pretty much my entire childhood up until high school. And then I was the only one of my siblings, I mean, her and myself, who decided to go far away. Mm. And everyone said, no, don't go. Don't chase after a boy. That's the secret. I chased a boy. Oh, no. Um, and it, he, it lives here now. It's kind of embarrassing. It didn't work out, but being in Tampa <laughs> worked out great. And I made lots of great connections. And I'm really involved, or at least I was, in the theater community there. So it was an amazing experience going from this place that has, a, you know, all four seasons mildly to summer, like 50 weeks of the year. Wow. So. <laughs> right. And is the university close to a beach? Are you able to go do it's that? It's not terribly far. I would say it's like 45 minutes from one of the top beaches in the country, wow. Clearwater. So, okay. I mean, the sand's like powdered sugar. It's Florida's not a real place. <laughs> it really just exists in our dreams. And I love the Florida man and Florida women stories. Too. Oh, yeah. yeah. It's also really fucking weird there. Like, it's beautiful and great in the touristy areas. You go to Disney and it's magical. And like, you literally drive like 15 minutes away from Disney into Swampland and weird shit starts happening. <laughs> do, you have any, do you have any examples? <laughs> um, Anything weird happen to you? Oh, gosh. I, I pretty much stuck to the popular places mm-hmm. that were there. So luckily, no, nothing weird for me. Okay, that's right. really not exciting. Yeah, no, that's but all right. That's trying to right. see as, as much of the, the beautiful parts of Florida as I could in the short time that it's I had there. It's been a while since I've been to Florida. I'd like to go and visit it again. It has that, it's an odd state because there are so many transplants, it's people true. from everywhere uh, wind up there. It's well, a feel, it feels state. like Florida here today. So just right. after your next meeting at Toronto uh-huh. Guild, like go outside and walk around and that's pretty much a trip to Florida. I'm originally from North Dakota and I will be wearing shorts today. Perfect. I'm going to walk you should. it. Yeah, that's how it is. Yeah. This is- I didn't shave my legs. Otherwise <laughs> I would be too. <laughs> okay. All right. Now that's, that's immortalized. In case you're wondering. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Right, right, right. Uh, so when did you, when did you first get into theater? Wow. Um, so yeah, I was singing first. And so I did course in elementary school and middle school and my middle school course program did a musical every year. And I think that I started singing to show off um, when I was really little, you know, like people were like, oh, my mom's like, go sing. Everybody will like you and everybody will like it. And so I did the musicals in middle school. And then in eighth grade, we did Pirates of Penzance. And uh-huh. yeah, I, I stepped into the lead role. Uh-huh. <laughs> I'm really not like a soprano like that. But in middle school, if you can sort of do it, they just put you right, put you right in there. And um, yeah, and then th- I was so inspired by that. And that experience really moved me as, you know, as far as you can be moved without as much self-awareness as, you know, you have now. Sure. I went to a performing arts high school from there and went for vocal and theater. And that's really where it kind of took off. And everybody had big dreams. And we, you know, they're like, just hell, like, you need to go to college for theater. You need to go to college for theater. Of course, all the artists around you. And then you have all this external pressure and you start caring about what other people think. Right. And um, my parents, uh, I really wanted to do college on my own terms. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, I took out loans and everything. Like, I didn't ask them to pay for college. Sure. And, also, not being financially connected to someone gives you a lot of freedom mm-hmm. <laughs> in what you can do mm-hmm. with your own life. Yeah. Um, so I'm just really glad that I found my way back to it mm. and that it's helped me learn so much more about myself. And I know that every time I open my mind and step into a creative space, I'm going to discover something new. I think the instinct for that character study to almost invoke the historical character yeah the the figure especially when you're dealing with someone who 
existed right is really potent i think it's important yeah uh, it was an incredible journey stepping into her we also had the playwright mm-hmm. um on site with us what for was the show again it's was... called nine parts of desire the playwright is heather raffo mm-hmm. and she you know she performed in it when and, it was here in new york and this is about women in, in iraq yeah sort of i mean women who are like in adoc and like connected to it and even like you keep saying adoc adoc i don't know what that is uh, it's uh, it's like iraq Oh, but it's oh, like Iraq oh, is the way Iraq that we always gotcha, were gotcha. like, that's just okay. like built into sure, my sure, system I now. Well, you know, we went down to Iraq <laughs> and we maybe got into a little <laughs> bit of trouble there. I that's how know. my dad would say yeah, it. Exactly. So. No, okay. Iraq. Gotcha. Um, but yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And uh, yeah, it was just, again, like kind of all over the world and, and through time. And there was an American with Iraqi roots who mm-hmm. in the show was maybe our age, mm. who's watching the war from her living room. Mm. And how it affects her to be so in her soul connected to that culture yeah. with really not, not able to do anything about it. It must feel terrible. I mean, yeah. I can't imagine what it's like to be a Persian student right now in yeah, the U.S. Absolutely. And with that, the, with the plane coming down and, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. wag the dog. It's very strange. Hard, hard to know what's going on. You, yeah. know, you know, wag the dog. That's a movie. Tell me more. You got to check that movie out. If you've never seen Wag the Dog, watch Wag it. Wag the Dog. Wag the Dog. It's um, <laughs> uh, David Mamet. Uh, a legend. Legend. Truly. Yeah, yeah, great. Yep. Politically, people have problems, but you know, he's, okay. he's all right. Um, great writer. Uh, but yeah, it's all about a president who hires in a, a Hollywood executive to fake a war, to Incredible. fake like a skirmish, uh, just in order to win an election. It's so scandal-esque. And it's, I mean, you know, they talk about it now. It's become a, a term in the vernacular. Yeah. You say, oh, this is a wag the dog situation. Wow. And yeah, you know, I don't, I don't know. What the hell do I know? It's just, it's really hard to watch uh, our, our country remain so embroiled in that region when mm-hmm. at home we don't have our act together. Yeah. It's so frustrating. Deeply frustrating. I really couldn't agree more. <laughs> I don't think I'm alone in that. I don't understand this obsession we have with this adventurism over there. I mean, yeah. I, I think I, I, you know, I know I have some sense of what it is. And I know that it's it's about maintaining the petrodollar and all the rest. And, and mm-hmm. in some abstract way, we benefit from that. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, boy, it's like it's like they said, I don't want to go too far down this hole, but they, they said... Yesterday, it's like, oh, the Dow, you know, hit 29,000 points. I'm pretty active on Twitter. And there's this fellow on Twitter who's like, I can't make my rent. My friends are drowning in student debt. Yeah. We can't get health insurance. One one illness is, is enough to bankrupt most of us. But right. congrats on the Dow hitting 29,000. Yeah, you know, and you just Wolf. go, oh, man, we're <laughs> yeah. in trouble. It feels like we're in trouble. You know, I, but this is a, you know, again, this show is meant to be somewhat, you know, it's meant to be positive. But right. it's, it's, you got to, you got to kind of wonder. You know, we've got nobody ever asks where the, where the money's going to come from yeah. when it comes to the war making power of this country. It's true. Very strange. And also, you have to look at, you know, you have to take a 360 look at a situation to yeah. be able to appreciate the positives. So, yeah, why? Well, it's still so where, yeah, it's we're in New York. We're very tricky. fortunate. We're yes, in New York. Very much. Life is, you know, I mean, you know, I'm going to go to my writer's group later today and um, you're going to, you're going to step out and I presume shave your legs and then, you know, then. You know that's on the agenda. <laughs> I was going to ask you, you know, yeah. But um, so, you know, you just got to New York pretty recently. Yes. And then, you know, what's, you know, this time next year, 
right yeah. when oh, no. I have you back on the podcast. <laughs> what do you what do you have going on? You're gonna you're gonna have written your first play. Yeah. Right? Um and I think, you know, devising the script for this musical that I'm putting together and really okay. connecting all of my songs is priority number one. Tell me oh, go ahead. And also I work full time mm-hmm. in communications, which has really <laughs> it it's one of those things that hindsight is twenty twenty. Like mm-hmm. I look back and I'm like, I should full-time have been doing communications because we're finding new ways to tell stories every day in just a different kind of environment. Yeah. Um, which has been really fascinating. But also, like, of course, the typical, like, new actor in New York looking to get into classes and take voice lessons and this and that just to keep my skills sharp, but also doing as much search inward as I can this year um, after coming out of, like, this mental craziness of the first eight or so months or of permanently being here. And, you know, now I can step back and process those things. And yeah. People say, like, when you're upset, make art. Yeah. Like, I can't do that in the moment. Like, mm. I have to kind of come post-peak mm. into where I can say, okay, now I can be honest with myself about what I've experienced. That's interesting. Have you read David Lynch's book? Do you like David Lynch? You know David Lynch? I'm not Blue sure. Velvet? Uh, Twin Peaks. No, I, I'm, Mulholland Drive. I'm terrible with, no, that's with media. No, 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 no. It, but uh, David Lynch is somebody you should totally know. He's fantastic. Have you ever seen The Elephant Man? Ah, oh, I'm like, his name he, sounds familiar. Yeah, that must be directed why. The Elephant yeah. Man. He's, he's one of our great living directors. Brilliant. Uh, you should see Blue Velvet for sure. If you like, if you like Hitchcock. Uh, I do. He's a bit, he's extremely dark. Yeah. Like Hitchcock. Very surreal you like weird i do love weird and you're gonna love david lynch yeah watch uh make sure you see blue velvet blue velvet um but uh he wrote a book he's really into tm transcendental meditation he wrote a book called catching the big fish amazing and he's got a great point in that and he talks about how young artists and and the culture kind of what's the word fetishizes uh, the idea of the suffering, struggling artist. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of make that their identity. Yep. And he says, life is suffering. Yeah. You're going to suffer. Don't lean into this. Right. Don't f- cultivate that. That's not where art comes from. Correct. You're, you know, art comes from being, having like a stable craft and a practice yeah. that you can return to and pick up. And he's right. Yeah. And I, um, when I moved from Tampa uh, my boss, who I currently work with, you know, told the team that, oh, she's moving to be an actor. And really, like, my significant other got his dream job. He's a fashion guy. This is more really one of the only places for it. So he came up here. I mean, that's the guy I'm going to marry. So I don't feel bad saying that. <laughs> um, When's the wedding? Don't ask. Um, <laughs> nah. yeah, you're on notice, buddy. I don't. I mean, I just, I'm not in a hurry. I, I want to be able to pay for the wedding that I know we want. He's Indian. So it's going to be a whole oh, event. Oh, wow. Also. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, well, you're going to have to have one there and then one here and... I have no clue. Yeah. All right. But I cool. suppose we'll see. All right. Um, what were we talking about? <laughs> <laughs> we were talking about David Lynch. We were talking about... And weird. And, and oh, weird. and my boss told yeah. the team that I moved up here to be an actor. Mm-hmm. And I feel, not guilt, but it feels wrong for me to say that. Like, I've always mm. wanted to live here and I want to be an actor in the city. But it feels like I'm one of those people who's like, I don't love auditioning but that's really the only way you do it right um so kind of exploring how i can 
maximize on what's fulfilling me right now in my music and like how as an actor I'm allowed to love more than one facet of art yeah and me saying I'm an actor like people like oh well you're not acting right now like I don't intend to box myself in to doing that like I am a well-rounded artist I have many talents and just because you're not doing one right now right doesn't mean that you're not that anymore right yeah, theater maker. Yeah, I'm a theater maker. Right. I'm working on a you know, you're working on a musical. You're gonna yeah. work on a short play. Yeah, you're gonna audition. And really, do, for me, it's, you did your first podcast, right? And it's been around like lean into what you need to create. So if right now music is what's on your mind, on your heart, lean into that. If you are trying to tell a story in a more theatrical way, lean into that. So Mm -hmm. don't feel obligated to do something just because you told someone you're an actor. So that's the one thing that you should be doing. But on the side of being a suffering actor, wow. Um, I've been hearing a lot about that lately and and people coming around the corner of that you don't have to be miserable to be an artist. And I feel like people outside of the art community – that that's the stigma like oh you're an actor like you must be really it struggling must be so i'm hard. so sorry yeah. and also like they're always thinking about the financial side which i'm not a money person so i'm never thinking of that but <laughs> at the end of the day it's like there's a song again that like song from in the heights that like always moves me it's such a positive anthem of culture mm. and that moves me to tears mm. And it can be something so positive that overwhelms you. Like, you don't have to be dragged down. Like, the further up you go, the more you can feel that way as well. Yeah. Oh, music is a huge part of my life. I can't even imagine. Absolutely. Right. Yeah. And it, I mean, as far as the different ways to tell a story, too, and what's really inspired me about this song that I sent over to you is that we have, yes, we have the language part, the theatrical part of, of what specific words we choose to tell our story but also the music that we put underneath it kind of it helps us guide others through our own mind Mm. so if i mean just the most basic way to put it if something Mm -hmm. is in a minor key right right it's like this is sad or this is negative or whatever what have you the words could be i love my life yeah right like it could be something so basic so positive right but the music underneath is telling others that the story is different. Creates an irony. And, right. And yeah. it's it's bringing them into your perspective in a really special way. And this song has really done that for me. And I, and I feel like as an actor, like I was saying earlier, like when you owe a character 100% vulnerability to tell their story as authentically as you possibly can. Mm-hmm. It forces you to face so many things in your own journey, too. And this character, because she had struggled so much and the character is so, so, so complex, I faced a lot of things personally for the first time. Mm. And that was, like, the time I discovered, like, my sexuality. Like, Mm. I, I don't know, I lost my virginity at 16, but I wasn't, like, very, I wasn't acting like I knew who I was sexually and this character is very sexual which is why i bring it up yeah um and then in my acting class like one of my teachers like knew i was doing this role and so she gave me like this 20 minute scene from streetcar named desire and she's Ah. like here you go yeah um so it's 
I, I don't know how long it would have taken me to face that if I wasn't an actor or like if I wasn't stepping into this role. I see. And at the end hmm. of the day, this journey of self-discovery and understanding myself to better understand others has helped me find like f- helped me find better ways to guide people through their own feelings and help them face things that they're facing on a regular timeline and not like an artist's timeline where in college we see all these things very early. That's that's really profound. Yeah. That's so interesting. Grant Morrison is a comic book artist and a writer. Mm-hmm. And he has this great countercultural lecture. You can look it up. It's yeah. Grant Morrison on sigil magic. And wow. it's this, this, this quote-unquote magical practice where mm-hmm. you, you write a phrase – Strip down the uh, the letters, use those letters to craft like a witchy symbol. Wow! And then you charge it and release it into the world, often with with sexual sort of power. Amazing! Right? And he that if you've never heard that lecture, definitely check it out. Thank I'll put you. a link to it in the show notes. Sure. Ah, uh, brilliant! And he, it's you know, it's really about changing your own brain. Yeah. And but he he talks about. You know, Alistair Crowley and and uh, Austin Osman Spare and these mm-hmm. these occultists, and he's he's got this great Scottish accent, and he's like, <laughs> I just I, I'm not gonna fucking do it. He's Please like, do no, it. No, no, you it's have terrible. To do it. He's like, you know, but we never fucking do it. So I just thought one day I'm gonna get up and I'm actually gonna do it. And here's the thing, it works. It fucking works. <laughs> You know, and he's 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 I'm delivering so this lecture to all these hackers, you yeah. know, about being able to like use sigil magic and sex magic to change yeah. reality. And he's right. And he 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 very famously made a comic book called The Invisibles, mm-hmm. and which inspired The Matrix, and it's this cult classic yeah. comic book. And he did it intentionally as a meta sigil, so it's a sigil in a sigil in a sigil, you know. Very cool. And yeah. he's like. He just that lecture. He says, "Oh yeah, you can change fucking. You can change reality. You can summon familiars, and you could all this stuff is real. Yeah, and it's only you know our imaginations. And every artist understands this. It's like right. you're saying you're you're channeling this person, right? And bringing in new energy and awareness in your own life, right? And then suddenly you're going to start to notice all these synchronicities and these other. Yes, and I know that this is like when I was coming into this. On top of the fact that I feel like I have nothing significant happening in my life, they're like, you've, I'm here to pitch. You've um, got a lot. You've got a lot." Thank you so much. It makes me feel much better. Um, I was concerned that when I was looking back at this topic of storytelling and connection, that I wouldn't have anything new to say. And I have an incredible friend who I sat with at a coffee shop for like two hours to help me kind of articulate the craziness in my mind. You prep for this podcast? A thousand percent. I had so many conversations this week. I'm like, I got a journal and I'm like, this will definitely like help me just get my thoughts out. Like, wow. All kind of not centered around this, but this was, I mean, the timing really could not have been better. Um, Oh gosh, I really can't even keep a thought. No, so you you have a friend, you met her at a coffee shop and you were, you spoke for two hours. Yeah, met him at a coffee shop. Him at a coffee shop. And, um, what were you talking about right before this? Oh, we were talking about um, Grant Morrison and, and Sigil Magic and the Invisibles and uh, having things to go. Uh, you know, you were saying, I've got oh a pitch. Goodness. That's all right. If you you lost your train of thought, that's okay. I did. But it happens. The, the point, and I mean, all of my, oh, my exploration is that I feel like I had nothing new to say about it. Right. But my friend Christian, I mean, has been one of my best friends since high school. And we kind of found ourselves back in, in New York City at the right time. He said, this isn't. A podcast just for artists like there are things that are 
when they are reiterated, like people need to continue hearing that. Like people need to continue hearing, tell your story as authentically as you possibly can, like be specific, be fearless to share your own story because that's, those are the biggest things that are going to bring us close together. And I feel like, you know, there's this big overarching, like everybody feels alone, like everybody just wants to connect. And the more fearless you are, telling your honest story the less alone those people around you that maybe you don't even know are going to feel love it yeah that's yeah. a good show title we'll call the this episode be fearless i mm, like that i love that that's good yeah and you're right and tremendous all right so coming into the home stretch here tell me a little more about this musical so you're working do you want to share what you're yeah. working on okay. i mean i when i put it out there it forces me to continue doing <laughs> <laughs> you got to keep yourself honest. So, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So um, I'm not even going to share the working title because I'm not sure about it yet. But I have a handful of songs that I've written since early college and that, again, have been exploring my connection to the world around me, uh, whether that's through romantic relationships, friendships, through religion that's you know, this thing that I feel like everybody has some kind of wound around religion. I heard someone say that once and I thought it was mm. brilliant. Mm. Um, and that's true for me. Mm. And yeah, lately, again, this connection with myself and my own mind and exploring what I need, like learning what I need, like when you're in a moment and you're overwhelmed really in, in any emotional direction, knowing enough to, to give yourself what you need is such a big deal. I feel like I've spent so much of my life just being overwhelmed and, and, and searching for answers on what to feed others that I'm not feeding myself or I, I hadn't been at least. Mm. Another thing that my friend Christian said in our conversation in preparation for this, what was brilliant was that, um, I mean, he speaks in wild metaphors. It's amazing that when we're born, we have this, our, our life or our perspective, the perspective others have of us is this clay mold. Mm. And it, our, it sits with our parents in this, artist's studio let's say mm. for a while and we're not even in the studio and they're like making big changes and like kind of making like little indents as as you know they want you to kind of represent them or uh. i guess parents feel that their kids represent them when they're young i'm not a parent so yeah, i just could sure. be just like throwing out Com bullshit, no completely but... absolutely and then at some point you walk into the studio <laughs> and you say okay like i like that i like that Wait, let wait, let me take over. I don't like that. Right. And you start to separate yourself from these things that you thought were universal truths when it's really just your your parents' perspective. Yeah. Um, and like the way that they were raised. Right. And I would I would say a huge one is in my childhood at least, Virginia Beach is the biggest I mean, has the largest population of any city in Virginia. Mm -hmm. And so it's pretty diverse. Mm -hmm. But it's also like a Navy town. And so there are these old ideas that follow. And I, you know, being the performing arts, it gets more and more diverse. And I didn't have a gay friend until high school. Right. And okay. like kind of learning that that was okay was a big part of the clay mold for me that i mean i wasn't raised in a religious house by any means like we didn't really go to church i went to church for a few years in the middle because i was curious and then kind of stepped away from it but yeah it's like the bible says one thing and then like your parents 
have their perspective of it. And it's like, oh, this thing is actually okay. This thing makes us understand ourselves better and more diverse. And there's more color in this world because of the perspective of people who are wildly different from us. Yeah. mm. Yeah. And then I, you know, I moved to Florida for a boy and I feel like I have always been in the studio molding my clay for somebody else. Mm. Or with somebody else next to me telling mm. me what I should be doing and yeah. what colors I should be adding and whatever. And it wasn't until I actually, long story short, I got in this wild accident <laughs> a couple of years ago. I, I think that's important to this journey. Um, if I can really yeah, briefly. Yeah, of course. I was sitting at a red light on my way to work. It was eight in the morning. Um, I was going to make a left turn into a highway that had no lights. So I went down to a light to make a quick U-turn. And while I was there at the red light, I got rear-ended at 80 miles an hour by a guy having a seizure. Oh, no. And the story gets a little more bizarre. I won't go too far into it. This is in Florida. Yes, it was in you Florida. You have a crazy Florida story. Oh. It just took about oh. 40 <laughs> minutes to come around to get it. Okay, well, I guess okay. that's it. There you go. Um, he was having a seizure. And, uh, you know, he just barreled into me with this giant, it must have been like a GMC Yukon or some giant oh, car. Geez. And I had like a, a tiny little car at, the, at that oh. time. Um, and his son, who was in the car, is seven. And, was, I mean, the news, the story on this kid, this kid's brilliant. He climbed onto his dad's lap when he realized what was happening and started driving the car. So the kid's actually the one who hit me. Whoa. Um, and I, that week is really foggy. I don't remember the accident because I hit my head immediately Jesus. on the steering wheel. And my hip broke. Oh, no. And, I mean, I, they were all like, she's going to be fine, whatever. Like, she's young and she's healthy. And my parents flew into town, and when they told me that, I was like, oh, God, like, something must have, like, something terrible must have happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, just wild under drugs um, <laughs> in the hospital. But I was on a walker for five months. Hmm. I lived on the third floor of an elevatorless apartment, so I had to move in with my current significant other before I think we were ready for that. Sure. Um, and I have never been a dancer per se like i've never been technically trained but you know i'm a great mover as they say um but i feel like there was at least when i was in that i felt like there was there were opportunities that i knew that i could have done and should have taken advantage of right when i graduated college that were taken away from me oh yeah that i would not have been able to do in the future and now i'm like totally healed but i mean even I, I couldn't walk upstairs like i couldn't get in a bathtub for six months yeah for six months wow. and and six months is it's such a blip in your life you know and you're kind of looking at the whole yeah but, at that but when you're in it, it yeah it and... feels like forever yeah and most of our friends were living about an hour away from us still like back in tampa nobody really wanted to come out of their way and i was i had to stop working and i'm a very much a people person so when i start getting in my own head i really struggle um so yeah that that was really was influential incredibly influential yeah. incredibly transformative and to do it with no family around i i mean i love my family and we have great relationships but kind of that was the first time I had to sit with my clay by myself mm. and um, where I'm always asking, like, what do you think I should do here? What do you think I should do here to whoever else is in the studio with me? Here I am sitting on the couch with a walker in front of me, like binging that 70s show. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure myself out by myself for the first time in my whole life. Wow. And um, 
after having an acting education, I'm very, very grateful to be able to at least have an understanding of where to start and like how to dive in and and how to look at what's happening inside me emotionally mm. objectively as I can, which is, you know, almost impossible. Sure. Just trying to figure out like who I am. Yeah. And um, and how did you do it? Who I am on my own. Uh, <laughs> Are you journaling? It's <laughs> a great or? question. <laughs> um, well, I wasn't able to create during that time. Mm. And again, everybody was saying, you know, now while you're in it, like you should be writing, you mm. should be telling, you know. Yeah. But I was so afraid mm. to face what had happened. I mean, even though, not just the accident, but yeah. kind of all of the emotional fallout that I had from the accident and this incredible fear I have of like being unwanted and being unloved and being alone sure. and then sitting in my own mind alone <laughs> with right. it with for several months and, and like unable to go around and yeah, exercise and I like can't and... drive I like can't see people I I wow. no longer have somebody to ask for reassurance or like bounce an idea off of and that was I mean everyone says at the end of the day you only have yourself or not everyone but some people yeah and um I agree with that mm. in some ways. But at the end of the day, you only have yourself. If that's, I mean, if that's true, then why aren't all of us taking those fearless steps to self-discovery? Like, why aren't all of us journaling and mm. I mean, or doing whatever we have to do, creative or otherwise, to understand ourselves enough that when we when it is just you with you, you can trust yourself with you. Wow. Good questions. Yeah. I don't know the answer to that. You know, me either. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's a great place to to put a pin in it. Yeah. And you know, let's do this again next year <laughs> in January. Yeah, I hope I have something to pitch. I well no, you know, <laughs> that was a lot and I, I really appreciate it. I just my I guess I would say in response to what you questioned there is I've always believed that everyone's an artist. Yeah. You're, I love that. You're, everyone's an artist. Mm -hmm. You're just nurturing it or you're not. Yeah. And there's someone said once, you know, the first creation an artist makes is themselves. Oof, you make yourself. Yeah, absolutely. So, I and I think that's what you're pointing toward. And mm -hmm. I just, I really respect that. I think it's wonderful. You've been a great guest. Very Thank easy you. to have on. Giselle Muse. And uh, where can people find you? Ooh, um, I don't have a Twitter, which is embarrassing, but I tried. No, stay it, away. It didn't work. You'll be happier. You'll be so much <laughs> but happier. But I do have an Instagram. Mm -hmm. It's at um, Giselle, G-I-S-E-L-L-E, -L -L -E, mm -hmm. underscore my underscore bell, like ding dong bell. So Giselle, my bell. Giselle, my bell. Find me there reach out to me i'm also on bumble biz just to uh -huh. collaborate and work with other artists i'm so open to exploring and creating and people ask me what i'm working on but i'm i mean i'm ready to jump into pretty much anything i really like that and we'll see we're, we're looking for actors for the cut edge collective yeah uh for readings and things so i'll Sign put you up. together absolutely uh and that's just great and so this is kevin kautzman this is get this it's a show about things people love you can find us at getthispodcast.com uh, you can find us, again, wherever you get your podcasts. I just put it up on, on Google as well, but it's on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm always happy to hear from people. I'm on Twitter, just my name, Kevin Kautzman, but uh, go to getthispodcast.com. Giselle, next year, we're going to come back. We're going to do it again. We're going to be fearless. 
Yeah, that's <laughs> hell yeah. Be and, fearless in 2020. That's it. And I'm gonna <laughs> and I'm gonna play your play your tune uh, here and just maybe just lead us in. Tell us one more time what this is. Sure. This is a song that I wrote, inspired by the brilliant Sam Smith, called "Into Character: A Journey to Show a Complex Character in a Play That They Can Trust You with Their Story." Thanks so much. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. Crush me, tear me down, make me human again. Give me the key that I need for the door you're behind. I want to find your heart inside mine. I need your trust to be what you are. Tell me why you've come so far. Or we stand here and we spar. Show me your world and I promise I won't fall the story apart Reach into my soul and fill the holes with your secrets I will release them to make you whole Teach me how to paint a whole world with your Stricken by darkness, how you become the light. What can I show you to prove I'll take you on with everything I am? What can I give you to manifest this test that I've begun? Take my faith and grab hold Make me uncomfortable I dare you to try to scare me away You can play all of my cards Open up all of my scars Make me face her again to convince you that I'm here To stay
I'm not perfect in my sin. I shed my skin. Where do we begin? Thank you.